Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 37. This is a Psalm of David, which we will be looking at together as we enter into the new year. And perhaps doing so, feeling a little bit confused about the world that we are living in. And my hope this morning is that God's word from the first 11 verses of this psalm will give us some much-needed perspective and encouragement as we start 2021. So let's read together Psalm 37, and I'll be reading from verses 1 to 11 from the Christian Standard Bible. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there, but the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. So on Friday, we started a whole new year. The clock has been reset. Today is day three of 2021. Your company sales quotas and targets have been reset. Your available leave has been reset. Your achievements and mistakes from the last school year or university year have been reset and it all starts over again. So this is a time when many people make much of what is called New Year's resolutions, which really is just another name for the things that I promised to do last year, but never did. It's a time when even the most unreligious people in the world tend to take stock of their lives. What have they achieved? What goals have they set for the future? What disappointments have they come to terms with that they hope to, to overturn in the year ahead? How do they intend on improving their situation in the year that lies ahead? And sometimes we as Christians can, can get caught up in, in these discussions without even really taking stock ourselves of the great blessings and the great privilege which is ours in Christ and, and the impact that being members of God's family should have on our outlook and our plans for the new year. And so I believe that Psalm 37 is a fitting passage for us to consider as we begin this new year around the word of God. In the first 11 verses of Psalm 37, David deals with the theme of, of living a Christ-centered, a God-centered life. He makes us consider the past, our present, our future, and, and then he zooms in specifically on times of trouble and times of great blessing, all in the light of what it means to be a Christian. And so it's these themes of David which I want us to consider this morning as a biblical alternative to the world's perspective on New Year's resolutions. 
And so in the first place, in verse 1 and 2, David urges us to recognize the Lord for the past. As 2020 has drawn to a close, for most of us this past year has carried a whole range of, of highs and lows, but perhaps more so than many years in the past, more lows than highs. Now, we are not told if David wrote this psalm looking back at the end of a year, but we do know from verse 25 that he was looking back at the end of his life. And he's looking back over his past life and he's seeking to, to put uh, everything that has taken place and particularly what he sees in the present into the perspective of God's faithfulness. And so we see that David looks back on his past and he sees the, the short-term prosperity and success of the wicked. He says that the wicked are, are full of schemes in verse 7. They plot against the righteous in verse 11. They have their weapons drawn against the godly in order to kill and destroy in verse 14. They, they borrow and, and do not repay verse 21. And they sometimes enjoy great power and influence in the world from verse 35. And I'm sure as perhaps you look back over 2020, you too have seen the apparent success of the wicked around you. Perhaps you've suffered personally this past year at the hands of, of wicked people who have, have been full of schemes to, to hurt you, to, to defraud you, to break you down. Perhaps you've suffered unjustly for being a Christian in your workplace or at school or at university. Perhaps you've suffered the hurt of verbal and, and verbal abuse and ridicule from the ungodly in your family. Perhaps you are still struggling to make ends meet due to pay cuts or, or retrenchment while others in your company, it seems, are given bonuses. Perhaps you've suffered physical and emotional injury through crime and, and violence that has directly impacted you. Or perhaps you are still trying to, to wrap your head around the fact that the, the rampant corruption in our government and state-owned enterprises has enriched the bank accounts of an elite group of people. And yet despite their crimes being exposed, there is no justice or retribution being demanded. Some of these things may have happened to you directly or to some of your close family members, but I, I think we would all agree that the world around us is full of wicked people. Wicked people who it seems at face value are succeeding, they are prospering, usually at the expense of the meek and the poor and the vulnerable and often the righteous. It's no wonder then that you might be looking back at the end of, of 2020 and you might be feeling various degrees of, of hurt and anxiety. You might be worrying about your pension dwindling away as the stock market declines in value. You might be worried about the education of your children in an ever-increasing liberal, anti-Christian, depraved society. You might be worrying for your job in this time of economic downturn or your health in this time of the COVID-19 second wave. 
To be quite honest, there is a lot to be worried about if we look at the events of 2020 through our human eyes and not much to alleviate that anxiety as we look ahead into 2021. But David starts this psalm off in verse 1 and says, Do not fret. Do not get agitated. Do not get all hot and bothered as you consider these things around you. Because, and, and this is very insightful, because he says this is coming from a heart of envy. Verse 1b, do not envy those who do wrong. Don't desire their apparent prosperity and ease and comfort. Now David says this because he is acknowledging that God is at work in this world. God is reigning sovereignly over all things and he looks back over the past and he recognizes that nothing is happening outside of the sovereign control and providence of God. Whatever your circumstances currently may be, whatever has happened to you over this past year, God is in control and has allowed all of these circumstances into your life to take place. God is not unaware of the, the corrupt politicians or business tycoons. He's not unconcerned about the violence against women and children. He's not removed from, from the racism and the effects of the pandemic on our society. You see, if, if we detach this past year, 2020, from the direct involvement of God in our lives and in this world, we have no other choice but to fret, to become agitated. But David reminds us that God is in control. He says in verse 2, For they, that is the, the wicked who prosper, they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Ultimately, all the wicked are under the sovereign ruling and control of God, and he will bring them to account for their actions. David reminds us that this will happen. And when it does, we will see that all their success and all their power was fleeting and of no eternal value whatsoever. Look at verse 9. He says, evildoers will be destroyed. Verse 13, the Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. Verse 20 is really an expansion of verse 2. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastures, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. And again, verse 35, I have seen a wicked, violent person, well-rooted, like a flourishing native tree. But then I passed by and noticed that he was gone. And I searched for him, but he could not be found. So as we look around at the wicked who have no regard for God, who openly rebel against him and, and seem to get away with it, they seem to, to prosper in their defiance against God, David reminds us to recognize the Lord. He will not be mocked and in the end the wicked will be destroyed. Then in the second place, he reminds us to rely on the Lord for the present in verse 3 and 4. 
He says in verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Now this is surely one of the most difficult things about being a Christian. To rely on the Lord in the present circumstances of life. The present trials, the the present decisions which we need to, to make. But I want you to see that this is not optional for for some special category of Christian. We are given a direct command here in verse verse 3. In actual fact, we are given a string of of four commands. Number one, trust in the Lord. Number two, do what is good. Number three, dwell in the land. And number four, live securely. The ESV says, befriend faithfulness. Or the NIV says, enjoy safe pasture. So as we put these four commands together, it really is summarized by relying on the Lord in the present. And then verse 4 is the result of that. This does not come out very well in the English. Delight yourself in the Lord may seem to us as we read it as another command, but it doesn't quite fit really to command something which is naturally the outflow of our heart as Christians. It's like ordering a five-year-old, enjoy your ice cream. Or to say to a a loving husband, delight yourself in your wife. No, verse 4 in the Hebrew points to the result of relying on the Lord in verse 3. See, if we trust in the Lord and if we dwell in his will for us, if we feed on his faithfulness, then we will be people who find our delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord is the the outflow of us trusting and relying and dwelling in the Lord. And the Hebrew here speaks very intimately of taking one's exquisite delight in God, in God himself. Not primarily in what God has done for us or given to us, but delighting in him as a person. This is something which cannot be commanded but can only come out of a relationship of love and dependence upon God. So the second part of verse 4 continues with the result of both relying on the Lord in verse 3 and then delighting on in the Lord in verse 4. It goes on to say, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, This does not mean that if you trust in the Lord, then God will give you a fancy car or a lovely home filled with obedient children or a job where your boss is just a wonderful man who rewards you in proportion to your hard work. So what does it mean? Well, more and more as I've thought about this verse over the years of being a Christian, the more I've come to realize that what this verse means is that God will give me new desires he'll give my heart new desires and then he will gladly give me what my new heart desires i'm sure that any of you who are a christian who love the lord jesus christ as your savior and lord will be able to testify that you have desires for him you have desires for his word you have desires for his people and desires to live obediently in accordance with his will, which were completely foreign to you in your unsaved life. Where did those desires come from? God says to us that he will give us a new heart 
He takes out the, the heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh and he writes his law upon our hearts and he causes us as his people to, to walk in obedience with him. He, he gives us new desires for the things which please God. He gives us a heart which longs after God. Psalm 42 says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where does that desire of our souls come from? It's God who gives us the desires of our heart. A new heart with new desires, which is in tune by the Holy Spirit of God to the very desires of God. So trust in the Lord for the present. Rely on him for all that you are facing today. Dwell in his will for you. Walk in obedience to his will. Feed daily on his faithfulness, David says. And then you will find that you will take exquisite delight in God. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And then thirdly, not only must we recognize the Lord in our past and rely on the Lord in our present, but in the third place, we must relinquish to the Lord our future. Verse 5 and 6. We see this in verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. This literally means to roll out the activities and, and the course of your life onto the Lord. It's clearly pointing here to our plans for the future. Wherever we are headed, whatever plans and resolutions we have set for 2021, David says to us that we must relinquish these plans to the Lord. I know that I have personally made this mistake many times in my life. I, I look back on the past and I'm amazed at, at how faithful God has been to me in his dealings with me. Even in the seemingly bad decisions that I have made, God has been able to turn those things in his grace for my good. And then I look at God's dealings with me in the present and I just marvel at his ongoing grace and mercy to me in my life. And then as I look to the future, I say, right, Lord, thank you very much. I can take over from here. Oh, how quickly do we fall? How quickly do we stumble and realize how weak and insignificant we are? I cannot even make one hair on my head turn from black to white. How less, how much less control the events of my life. David was the greatest king that Israel had ever known. He had more power, he had more success than any other king in Israel. If anyone was able to say like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, it would have been King David. But instead, he knew his own weakness, his own frailty, his own sinfulness all too well. And so he says to us, commit your ways, commit your future to the Lord. And so with this command comes another promise. If we relinquish our future to the Lord, he will vindicate us. Look at verse 6. He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. 
Another translation says, He will vindicate you in broad daylight and publicly defend your just cause. So the promise here is that God will vindicate his people before the world. It doesn't mean necessarily that all our plans will suddenly work out and there will be no troubles or hardship in our life. No, but what it does mean is that God will be glorified as he shows the world that he is at work in your life and mine. This ties up with what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, where he says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So we've looked at committing the past and the present and the future to the Lord. And that is good and and a necessary corrective as we transition out of the confusion of 2020 and into the uncertainty of 2021. But now, verses 7 to 11, David re-emphasizes what he has been saying by looking particularly at, at our lives in two broad categories. Those times of trouble and those times of blessing. And so in verse 7 and 8, David tells us in the fourth place to rest on the Lord in times of trouble. Verse 7 and 8. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. So David is speaking here of trouble uh, in, by, by looking at the success of evil men in their schemes against you or simply in their evil schemes against others. But times of trouble can come upon us in various other ways too. It could be the, the death of a loved one. It could be poor health or, or simply the circumstances of 2020, which God has allowed across our paths, making life difficult for us all. Our human response is is so often one of two which David points out. We either become agitated and we fret and we worry over these things or we become angry and bitter. And in both cases, the root cause is the same. Agitation and anger, they both stem from us feeling that we are not in control of our situation. Fretting or, or agitation is, is really the passive response to circumstances which are outside of our control, while anger is the active response. Both are equally dangerous because they, at their root, deny the sovereignty of God in our lives, deny the sovereignty of God over the circumstances and the people of this world. Both Deny that that God has our best interests at heart as he deals with us through these trials of life. Both responses are are inward looking to me and myself and I instead of being outward looking to God and to Christ and to his purposes in our lives. David says to us that in times of trouble, instead of agitation or anger, we must rest in the Lord. Some other translations are helpful here. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him, says the NIV, the new living. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. 
The Net Bible says, wait patiently for the Lord. Wait confidently for him. What we see in verse 7 then is a summary in a nutshell of the previous six verses which we have been considering. Recognize God's dealings in your past. Rely on him for your present. Relinquish your plans to, uh, for the future to him. And if you've done all of this, then you can simply rest in the Lord, in his presence and wait patiently for him to act. You can become still before the Lord and know in confidence, with great expectation, that he will act. Isn't this a, a wonderful place to be as we approach 2021 in a most tumultuous world? The corona cases are rising. The economy is declining. But God says, be calm. Be still in my presence. Rest in me and I will act. Often think of Joseph. As a, a wonderful example of living out this principle like very few others have managed to do. Think about Joseph. How many times was Joseph in the pit of life, literally thrown into a pit, sold off as a slave to a foreign land by his own brothers, tempted tremendously to conform to the ways of this new world in which he had been thrust, falsely accused, thrown into prison, betrayed by friends, forgotten. And yet we read nothing of agitation or anger in his life. How can that be? Well, Joseph, like David, like Paul and, and John Bunyan, who spent so many years in prison and so many others throughout church history, they had learned the secret of Psalm 37 verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Wait expectantly for God to act. And then finally, David gives us a wonderful word of encouragement in those times of blessing. And he says to us, rejoice in times of blessing. Verse 9 to 11 are such amazing verses of perspective for us as we face the beginning of a new year. They give us really the eternal perspective of all that we face in this life and all that we will enjoy for all eternity. Verse 9. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. Now, these verses have a, a similar tone to those very honest words of Asaph in Psalm 73, where he talks about being envious in his heart of the wicked in their prosperity. Until he entered the house of God, then he understood their final destiny. And here we see David has come to the same realization as Asaph. The wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will inherit the land. They will possess the land with all its abundant prosperity. Now, what does verse 11 mean? The humble will inherit the land and enjoy abundant prosperity. 
Was this a, a promise limited to, to Israel as a nation or, or is this encouragement for us as Christians today? Well, the, the beauty of a, a Christ-centered reading of the Bible is that we know that ultimately all the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ, including this promise. And so for all of us who are united to Jesus by faith, we are the recipients of this wonderful promise of encouragement. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 5, taking his cue from this promise of God to Israel. But now he expands it in the light of the new covenant. And he says, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. And again in Romans 4, 13, Paul confirms this truth that all of those who are children of, of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ become the recipients of the promises to Abraham. But then he expands those promises and he says we won't just inherit the land, we will inherit the world. What about this promise of prosperity? Is this the promise that the, the televangelists declare that you must name it and claim it as you go into 2021? And whatever you desire in terms of material wealth and health and prosperity will be yours? Well, we, we serve a gracious God who very often in his kindness and mercy gives us times of great peace and health and prosperity in this life. We should be filled with rejoicing and thanksgiving when God's grace does cause our lines to fall in pleasant places. But to keep in mind that ultimately all the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. And you and I should not be looking for an earthly prosperity, an earthly inheritance, and an earthly health and wealth, which will ultimately fade away. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter 3 verse 11. He says, since all of these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved by fire and the elements will melt with heat. All of this world's earthly possessions and prosperity will, will fade away. But based on his promise, we wait for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. So whether we see the, the wicked removed in our lifetime or not, whether we are given earthly rest and prosperity to enjoy for a brief season in this life or not, Either way, we serve a faithful and perfect God who knows exactly what each of us need in order for us to glorify him most. He knows what we need to stay dependent on him. And he knows what we need to keep us rejoicing and taking delight in him. And so I must take you back to verse 4. And to ask you where your treasure lies as you enter into this new year. Whether we see the Rona vaccinated into obscurity or not. Whether the economy is restored or not. Whether all our plans for 2021 materialize or not. It doesn't really matter if we are a people who are taking delight in God. 
For we know that we who are in Christ, we possess an eternal inheritance which cannot be corrupted. It cannot be stolen through corruption. It will never spoil or fade. It is kept in heaven by Jesus himself. And so as we conclude today, God's word has given us five things to to help us as we come to the end of 2020 and as we embark on a new year ahead in 2021. And the common thread which runs through all five points is to remain focused on the Lord. Recognize the Lord for the past. Rely on the Lord for the present. Relinquish to the Lord your future. Rest in the Lord in times of trouble and rejoice in the Lord in times of blessing. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, he summarizes this Christ-centered worldview for us in Philippians 1.21, where he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die, that's gain. Paul realized that these five points that we've been looking at today from Psalm 37 can be summarized in just one brief statement. To live is Christ. And so in his letter to the Corinthians, we find the same emphasis to to all of Paul's ministry. 1 Corinthians 2.2, he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now that is a New Year's resolution worth making and one worth keeping. That is something worth living for and dying for, to make Jesus Christ the center of everything, your own heart first and foremost, your your family secondly, this church thirdly, and then your work and your careers and your recreation and all your plans for everything to be about Jesus Christ and making him known. He is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. We should be trusting him every day, delighting ourselves in him, casting all our cares upon him because we know that he cares for us. So I pray that you will take much encouragement from the word of God today as we embark on this uncertain new year. We would be encouraged to see God's hand of sovereign power, sovereign providence at work in this world, at work in your and my life, at work in us as the Honey Ridge Baptist Church. Encouragement that we would then trust in him for the present and commit our ways for the future to him. And I pray that as you rest in God, as you feed on him, as you wait patiently for him, that you will find your greatest delight in God in 2021 as he gives you the desires of your heart. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can start this new year off around your word. With the honesty of David in the psalm as he looks around and recognizes many things that do not seem to make sense from an earthly perspective. But when looked at from an eternal, spiritual, kingdom perspective, 
we see that it all makes sense. We see that Jesus Christ is reigning on the throne as we enter into 2021. We see that the wicked and the times of trouble around us will not last. Eventually they will be destroyed. They will be removed. And we have an inheritance which is secure, which is eternal, which is kept for us in heaven by Jesus himself. O oh Lord, as we look forward to your return, as we look forward to that day when you will usher in this new heavens and this new earth, when every tear will be wiped away, when death will be defeated. Help us to gain such a glorious perspective of what is in store for us as your people, that you will help us to put all these earthly challenges and struggles into their right perspective, and that we will see that you are at work you are at work in us. You are at work in us as a church. You are at work in our city. And that we will not miss the opportunities that you are presenting to us. To glorify you. To make you known. To live out our lives as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. As we go into this year. But Lord most of all we want to pray that you would help us to find our delight in you. Forgive us when we so easily take our eyes off you and we are distracted by the, the gimmicks and, and the glitter and the tinsel of this world which attracts us for a brief season but holds no value for eternity. Lord, help us to see all of these things in this world that you may have given to us to enjoy as fleeting and ultimately to be used as means for which we can bring you glory in and through our lives. And so we pray that this would be a year in which we as your people here at Honey Ridge find true delight in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in all that you are for us as our Lord and Savior and God. For we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well we're going to end off our service today by singing that well-known hymn in christ alone my hope is found it's it's a familiar tune it's a familiar hymn but don't let the familiarity distract you from really the words of this hymn and, and how it ties in with with what david is saying about us finding all our delight in god and in jesus christ pray that you'll have a, a good week ahead uh, we're traveling back uh, and we'll be back uh, to normal uh, from a, a ministry perspective in this coming week. Uh, but we will continue with our online services for the next two or three weeks. And we'll keep you posted as elders as things develop. May the Lord bless you. Amen.